This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We got a game day edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio on uh, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope everything in your life is going great. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I know we certainly did here uh, over at Fort Rucker and uh, in, in in our family. Uh, it's, it's a great time. I really like, especially on the years when... You know, it's always Tennessee going to Nashville or, or Tennessee hosting uh, Vanderbilt for, for the, this week of the season. That's the way it's been for the last several years anyway. And I like it when that game's in Knoxville because kind of selfishly, that that's a better chance for my family's kind of spread around the state of Tennessee. Got uh, my brother and his wife in Memphis. Got my, my sister and uh, her man's there in Nashville. And, you know, we're, we're just kind of spread out all over. And when Tennessee hosts Vanderbilt, that's usually a good excuse for everybody to come over to this side of the state for Thanksgiving. So that's what we got to do this year. We got to have Thanksgiving in Knoxville. It was wonderful. It's a great holiday. It's uh, one that I think can kind of get overlooked in, in certain aspects. Um, we got we got this whole like uh, retail commercial-based society and we're pushing Christmas all the time, right? And there's nothing wrong with Christmas. Love Christmas. Love the Christmas spirit. Love the holiday spirit. I guess my wife was a Goldberg, so also the uh, holiday spirit maybe would be a better way to uh, to, to put it there with, with, with Hanukkah and everything else entails. But bottom line, it's a wonderful season. But I think sometimes Thanksgiving gets a little bit lost in that. So I have a rule in our house. I don't have many rules because I, I couldn't enforce them. But I have one. We uh, at least when I'm around, uh, we don't do Christmas music or Christmas movies or any of that stuff or Christmas decorations until Thanksgiving has had its day in the sun. Thanksgiving is a wonderful day. It's you don't have to you don't have to give gifts. Basically, you just get to sit there and and make food and eat food and watch football and watch movies as a family. And it's it's wonderful. Play a little football, soccer outside with the dogs and kids and. I just absolutely love Thanksgiving, and I hope that for Tennessee fans out there, I know it's not been the season that you wanted it to be, especially coming on the heels of last season. But days like Thanksgiving, man, they they just they put all that in perspective. I think, right? I mean, you you get to be around the people you love, 
and you know you try to avoid awkward political discussions and all this other stuff and you just kind of try to be together as a family and it's a wonderful day uh family's been out at the, the at the farm today it, it, you know uh, the day after thanksgiving lots and lots of fun stuff and i just love 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 this holiday and i hope it's been fun for you and now we get to turn the attention toward this game. And it, if you're wondering why it's just me in the first segment of this podcast, it's not going to be that for the whole podcast. We do have Ben McKee, our own Ben McKee, speaking with uh, Robbie Weinstein from Vandy 24-7. They will be discussing the Vols and the Commodores here in the second segment. So we will, we've done a couple of these like this before, where it's just kind of me giving an intro and then an interview. And in this case, Ben handled the interview with Robbie uh, before he left town for Thanksgiving. And so really appreciate Ben doing that. And we they will be discussing that game. But I'll just mention sort of the broad strokes here before we go to break. Obviously, Tennessee 7 and 4 overall, 3 and 4 in the SEC. Vanderbilt 2 and 9, 0 oh and 7 in the SEC. The Commodores, I believe, won their first two games and have since lost the the past 9. Things not going the way they wanted it to in the uh, the third season of Clark Lee there at Vanderbilt. The kind of the program's in construction as the stadium itself is in construction. Thank God this game is in Knoxville and not in Nashville because that's uh, I think it's going to look nice when it's done over there. But right now they've they've got that whole construction zone over there and it's kind of kind of gross. But this is. Obviously, a game where Tennessee has not been playing well. Tennessee missed, I believe, eight or nine starters uh, for that game against Georgia, and it went sort of the way that I think a lot of us thought it was going to go. Tennessee uh, competitive for a little bit, and then Georgia just kind of did what it does, and it kind of pulled away. Tennessee couldn't do much about it, is what it is. There are levels in this game. There are a couple of teams kind of up there by themselves right now, and I think if Tennessee had been a healthy football team, it could have hung in there for longer. I still think Georgia would have won. I think Georgia is a very, very good football team. May not be as talented as it was last season, but it certainly uh, plays very, very well together. There's kind of a great chemistry. They, they execute well. Uh, they kind of got the thing going there, and they have a superhuman in Brock Bowers there at tight end. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they have a quarterback who all of a sudden is starting to look like a guy who might leave Athens with the Heisman Trophy at some point. My God, he was great in that game. Carson Beck was fantastic. But if you're Tennessee, you don't have to worry about that anymore. That, that's done. Now you are playing Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt is uh, some kind of struggling right now. Uh, if the doors don't pull off a major, major upset of Tennessee, and I believe the spread on this game is about 26, 27, 28 points, somewhere around there, Vanderbilt will go 0-8 in the SEC this season. The Doors did have a bye week last week because they played uh, in week zero. So they they basically got, they started early, but that means they kind of got an extra bye in there. So they got the open date before Tennessee. And Robbie will talk about that with Ben in the second segment, how maybe one really important player for Vanderbilt comes back. But other than that, it, it's, it's not so much been getting guys healthy. It, it's maybe been about Vandy getting able to get into the lab and draw up some stuff and basically see what sticks against Tennessee because Tennessee uh, is certainly a team, even as depleted as Tennessee is, certainly a team that has more talent than Vanderbilt. And so Vanderbilt um, has been tough, has hung around in some games, played really well against Georgia, played Georgia, frankly, better than Tennessee did. Um, But this is a game at the end of the day, I think Tennessee's ability to run the football in this game and Vandy's inability to both run the ball and stop the run I think that will probably be the difference in this game. If you remember last season uh, when Tennessee went to Nashville, obviously, 
there were a couple guys who were playing, um, but by that point, obviously, Hendon Hooker was hurt. Uh, Cedric Tillman had sort of made the business decision to kind of get ready for the draft. So it was really nasty weather. You had Joe Milton starting there at quarterback, and Tennessee won going away basically by just handing off the ball. I mean, Milton only needed to complete 11 or 12 passes, but Tennessee still put up 56 points in a 56 nothing win because it just kept handing the ball off and Vanderbilt couldn't do anything about it. Big play after big play. So I do think Tennessee's offensive line obviously is not what it was last season. Um, you know, Darnell Wright's gone. You know, you, you got some Jerome Carvin's gone. Uh, you, you got both tackles have been banged up right now this season. You know, obviously, Javante Spragans is out. He will not play for the rest of this season after that. Getting rolled up on last week against Georgia. Tennessee's offensive line is not full strength, not even close to it, and it's not what it was last season. But when you look at Vanderbilt, those guys play hard. There's just not a lot of dudes over there. I think Tennessee's going to be able to run the ball pretty successfully in this game and kind of use those backs and then sprinkle in a couple passing plays here and there. And I think Tennessee can take care of business. I don't know if it's going to be an absolutely beautiful game, um, but at this point for Tennessee, I don't know that it needs to be. I mean, you want to win – with style points, if you can, right? You want to make it look as good as you can. You want to send the seniors out on a good note. But at the end of the day, if you're Tennessee, what you really need to do is just win this football game. Just win this game. It's been a really, really, really crummy two weeks for the Vols. Things have not gone very well. You can look at the scores. I mean, look at the scores from the past, you know, look at the past two games, so the past eight quarters, but really the past six quarters, uh, it's been pretty It's been pretty gross. It has been. Mizzou and Georgia both took it to Tennessee, um, and, and I think a lot of people were surprised Tennessee was still ranked this week. I was a little surprised. Um, I don't think it's unfair that Tennessee's ranked. I think that when you look at the resumes of all these teams, the, these kind of four, three, four, five lost teams, I think you could make an argument that Tennessee's still okay to be ranked. Right now it's 21st. I don't know if it would be in my poll this week if I had a top 25 poll, but I'm not a voter right now, so it doesn't matter what I think. But bottom line is, it's been a rough couple weeks for Tennessee. The Vols just need to win this game. Just get to eight wins. I wrote this column about this after last week's game. Tennessee just needs to kind of just just kind of your, your car's dinged up. It's had a couple of little fender benders and a couple of – nastier collisions along the way just get the car back home just get the car back to the driveway get it in park then you can go through the off season you can get you know you can get guys healthy go to the bowl game start preparing for next season start figuring out who's going to leave and who's not which is always a really weird thing in this era right it's like a senior day but because of the covid stuff still these guys can come back they could not come back but their numbers count against the scholarships so you got guys leaving in the portal. You'll want to bring guys in through the portal. Remember that door swings both ways. So basically, this is going to be a really, really complicated month or so for Tennessee with the coaching staff. Uh, it's like fans kind of take a breather after the regular season. Coaches, man, that's one of the worst times of the year for those guys because you're you're basically you're 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 figuring out who's leaving, who's coming back, who can I get through the portal? How many of these guys want to go? Do I want to convince them maybe they should go? Do I want to um, you know, fight for them to stay? And then what do my numbers look like? Oh, by the way, I'm trying to bring in this signing class to make sure everything fits right with the numbers. 
it's a nightmare time of year for those guys. And hey, they make a lot of money. Not not feeling sorry for them. Uh, they 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 are well paid for their for their for their labors. But but I do think that it is a really really complicated time of year. And right now with Tennessee, you, you, the season hadn't gone the way you wanted it to. You're just trying to figure out, okay, who's still in the boat? Who's still in the boat? Who wants to go forward in this boat? Who wants to leave? Who wants to go somewhere else? And with all that stuff going on, just don't don't mess up the thing by screwing around and losing to Vanderbilt. Because history tells you what happens to Tennessee coaches when things like that happen. You don't, and I'm not saying nothing will, will Heupel's going to be here. You know, that, that that's not an issue. It, it's just, you don't want to make this situation even a little bit more frisky, squirrely going into next season. You, you want good vibes. And I think if you get this to eight wins, have a decent performance in the bowl game, so you're going into next season with eight or nine wins, it's not the 10, 11, 12 that you wanted, but it's a decent number. There have been a lot of times over the past, what, you know, decade, 12 years, that Tennessee would love to be an eight or nine win football team. So if that's going to be your bad year, that's not such a bad thing if you don't keep repeating it, right? Don't fall into this habit. But I think with Nico Iamaliava taking over next season, there's going to be a lot of excitement from the fan base for that. And then even if it doesn't go great, you're at first you're like, oh, he's so talented, it could get better. You can see a pathway, right? You can see a pathway for Tennessee to kind of get this thing back steadied as long as you don't complicate it unnecessarily. How can you complicate things unnecessarily? Lose to Vanderbilt. That would complicate things unnecessarily. So just go out there and win this game. If you have to run it 50 times, if you have to throw it 50 times, if it's 10 to 7, if it's 56 to nothing, if it's 34 to 24, just win the damn game. That's what Tennessee has to do. Just win this game, send the seniors out, or the people playing their final game in Eland Stadium anyway, send them out in a positive way, then kind of get ready for the bowl game, get healthy, and figure out your roster construction for next season, and then build things going forward. That is the mission for Tennessee. And I'm not saying that losing to Vanderbilt would would make all that impossible. It's going to make it much more uncomfortable. You don't need to be doing that. So whatever you're doing, you're playing a team that has nothing to lose. Expect Vanderbilt to throw a whole bunch of stuff out there. I would if I were Vandy. I'd, I'd have nothing to lose. I would throw about every trick play imaginable at Tennessee in this game. So if you're Tennessee, maybe just keep it simple defensively. Maybe figure out what Vandy's going to try to do, and then put points on the board, execute, don't commit dumb turnovers, don't commit dumb penalties. Just go out there and win the game, and then see where you are going forward. And, you know, maybe just just kind of bring back some good vibes a little bit. Just you, you don't want the vibes to go down. I'm a big vibes guy. And this is a weekend where you can kind of get at least some vibes back on track and get things where you need to get them. Anyway, I think that's enough for me. We're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to some product services, in-house ads, and then we'll come back and you will hear from Ben McKee of our very own Govals 24-7. And you will hear from Robbie Weinstein of Bandy 24-7 here on the Govals 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. I am Ben McKee, and I am joined by Robbie Weinstein of Vandy247 to help us preview Tennessee and Vanderbilt this Saturday. Senior day for Tennessee in the final game of the regular season for both teams. And before we get to Robbie, do need to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Robbie, how are you, my friend? Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Yeah, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you as well, Ben, and all the listeners. I'm I'm doing well, trying to relax a little bit uh, before this this final big weekend of of college football should be a fun one, really across the country. I'm I'm interested in a lot of these games. Absolutely. And I'm glad that we get a couple before Saturday. I, I Not that there's yeah. many negatives to our job, but the, the one thing I don't like is that because we are covering games, we, we don't get to watch as much college football as, as we would prefer. So it's always nice when uh, other teams are playing on different days of the week or Tennessee. Same with Vanderbilt, I'm sure, playing on a Thursday. So you get to watch all day Saturday. Um, right, but, right. One thing I find interesting about this game going into it, Robbie, is that Vandy is coming off of a, a bye week, and and that's obviously a, a result of of them playing week zero. But uh, what are your initial thoughts on, on how that could potentially uh, help Vanderbilt? Tennessee's a really banged up football team going into this week this weekend. What what's the health status of of Vanderbilt and kind of how uniquely have they operated around this bye week? I guess because it's not that often that you get a bye week in, in the second to last week of the regular season such a weird schedule right uh they they had a bye something like three weeks ago so there really wasn't a lot of a lot of games in between the two bye weeks and so you can get two buys potentially if you play week zero uh i i think they didn't really care for their schedule probably because the first buy came something like eight or nine weeks into the season so they had a really long uh time there where they were playing game after game and then and then finally they get a bye but then there's another one so soon uh, so they've definitely, I mean, they should be healthier, I would think, uh, coming into this game. Um, C.J. Taylor, who's probably the best player on their team, is going to come back from injury slash suspension uh, for this one. I don't know how effective he'll be necessarily because he's going to be playing. He has some sort of lower body injury. He's going to be playing with a brace on. Uh, so we'll find out. But in general, yeah, they've been relatively banged up like every team really at this time of year. And so they'll get some guys back. Um, it, you know, in terms of the buy, like you, you also think when you think of a buy, like, you know, maybe the coaching staff can cook some things up. You know, interestingly, uh, Ole Miss, their, their game at Ole Miss was after the first buy. 
And that was like their worst game of the season, you know, particularly in the first half, they were just brutal. Uh, and they're going to have some, some coaching staff upheaval this off season. And so, you know, to me, I think the, um, you know, that's only like a week away. And, and I think the the coaching aspect of it probably is not going to be a factor. I wouldn't think that the, the extra time to game plan is really going to help them due to a number of reasons, uh, but they, they are going to be a little bit healthier. What is the state of the quarterback position for Vanderbilt going into this game? I, I know it's kind of been a, a roller coaster, roller coaster this season due, due to in, injuries and, and, and poor performance at, at times. Just what is the overall state of the Vanderbilt quarterback position? Because we know they have Will Shepard on the perimeter, and and boy, is he a playmaker, and, and Vanderbilt needs to try and get him the football every chance that it gets. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, what are your thoughts on, on the, the quarterback position and who you think starts on Saturday? Yeah, they really haven't been able to get Shepard the ball a whole lot, and I think that's caused some problems in the locker room. I know that Shepard's not happy about that. His family's not happy about it. Is he going to stick around or is he going to transfer? Probably transfer, I would think. Um, and so they, they've been keeping the quarterback situation quiet, which makes me think that they're going to make a change. And there's also some other tidbits that I've picked up that, that make me think that they're going to go in a different direction. So AJ Swan uh, started the season and uh, he's got a lot of arm talent, but um, you know, even during fall camp and spring ball threw a lot of picks uh, and takes too many unnecessary risks and, and makes some bad decisions. So they, they sat him down. He was also kind of battling through an elbow injury, which has since healed. Uh, Ken Seals, who started for them all the way back in the COVID season, he kind of came in and, and has been, um, you know, okay, I guess. Their offensive line hasn't really protected him, so it, it's hard to judge him to some extent. But uh, their offense is doing absolutely nothing, and so I think, um, you know, they've been kind of conservative and been focusing on just not turning the ball over after the early season stretch where, where they had a million turnovers and a lot of them were attributed to Swan. Uh, and I think they probably have realized not just due to kind of the game results, but also from angry boosters that uh, they need to be a little bit more aggressive. And and so I think my prediction is that AJ Swan is going to get the start. Uh, what that means exactly, you know, I don't know that it's going to change the outcome of the game, but it should open up some stuff in the downfield passing game if they can at least uh, protect protect him, which is definitely a big question because their O-line has been really brutal this season. But that that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, that's my prediction, at least. They've been quiet, like I've said. I also think regardless of whether Seals or Swan starts, they're going to use Walter Taylor, who's a registered freshman, as kind of a running option. He's 6'7", 235 pounds, and moves very well. He's difficult to tackle. So you can see him like in the red zone or just in quarterback run situations. Uh, but again, my, my prediction, my educated guess is that Swan will start. Um, that's, that's still more in the educated guess realm though, as opposed to like, I'm not, not reporting it because they've, they've, it's hard to get really, really solid information about the starting quarterback in college football, but especially heading into a rivalry week when, you know, nobody wants to talk. Yeah. No, nobody is more paranoid than a college football coach, especially a, a head coach, uh, we can't even film handoffs in, in fall camp for for practice uh, videos. But but before we dive a little more into the the game itself, I do want to ask you some big picture questions about Vanderbilt football. Probably should have let off uh, with these questions. If I were a good podcast host, I I would have. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it's Thanksgiving break for everybody. Uh, but just w- what is the overall? status of kind of Clark Lee and and just your general assessment 
uh, of where he's at uh, kind of appears from the outside looking in that maybe he's creeping towards the hot seat. Uh, is he truly on the hot seat or, or is he creeping towards there? Is he ahead of where he should be at this point behind just your overall assessment of where the program is at under Clark Lee right now? He's definitely not on the hot seat. He just got an extension. And I, I get like from a fan perspective, um, the fans are angry. The fans want him on the hot seat. The fans want him out of there now, honestly, but it's just not Vanderbilt uh, just doesn't operate that way. I think it, when they have the least amount of resources of any team in the SEC, I think they realize that they're not long-term going you know, to set themselves up for success if they operate like Auburn and fire their coach every two years or every three years. Uh, so they're they're going to keep him. I, I do think um, for sure they're they're behind pace. I mean, they probably were ahead of pace last year when they won five games and were playing Tennessee with a chance to go to a bowl game. I mean, there's no way that was not a, a bowl caliber team by any stretch of the imagination. I think they were very fortunate to win five games. Uh, but on the other hand, then their roster got substantially better talent wise. And so to go two and 10 with 10 straight losses uh, would be. Uh, just a huge step back. And I think uh, really points to poor coaching, honestly. Uh, and, and Clark Lee, I think has subtly hinted at that and tried to take some responsibility for it throughout the season. Uh, so what I expect is a, a major overhaul of the coaching staff. I think both coordinators are going to be fired. Uh, I think there's going to be multiple other position coach changes. And I think they not, I think I know for a fact that they're going to, uh, they're going to hit the transfer portal a little more than what they've, done in the past uh, vandy doesn't like to run guys off due to uh the value of of the degree and that's sort of uh, a directive from from above the head coach in general for all sports um but they may have to do that a little bit if they want to turn this thing around so it's a big off season for them and i mean there there could be a hot seat element next year but uh clark lee will almost for sure be back for next season the only way that i could see that changing is if the chancellor of the university I just decided to pull the plug on everyone, including the athletic director. And I, I don't view that as, as likely, but uh, yeah, really, really um, you know, they, they've underachieved a lot this season. Uh, not that they're, you know, they were expected to be some great team, but two and 10 is a huge step back. And um, they, you know, that makes it a big off season for them. Well, and to your point about underachieving and taking a step back, I remember in August that a, a lot of people, we're, we're discussing this Vanderbilt team being one that is capable of getting to six wins and potentially getting to to a, a bowl game. Not that it was a sure thing, but uh, that it was certainly possible. And, and there were some key games in September that they needed to win in, in order to yeah. potentially accomplish that. So I know you mentioned coaching, but but what has gone wrong within the realm of coaching is Will Shepard not getting the football one of many examples. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I, there's been a lot of frustration about the offense. I think the defense is the bigger issue. So they, they, I mean, Clark Lee made a great hire when he got there, he hired Jesse Minter as his defensive coordinator and Jesse Minter then goes to Michigan and won the Royals reward. I mean, he's an elite defensive coordinator, but he left, um, if I recall a little bit later, like it wasn't immediately after early signing day, which is when a lot of, uh, assistant coaching changes happen. And uh, they had brought in Nick Howell, who was the uh, defensive coordinator of Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall. And then Bronco resigned or retired or whatever you want to call it. And Bronco Mendenhall and Clark Lee are good friends. And Mendenhall recommended this guy, his D.C. Uh, he came in as a safeties coach and wasn't supposed to be the defensive coordinator. But then 
uh, when when Minter left a little bit late in the game to go to Michigan, they just promoted from within instead of doing a national search. And the same thing, similar thing happened on offense. The offensive coordinator, Joey Lynch, had been brought in to be the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. And uh, their original OC hired just clearly was not capable. And so they promoted Lynch from within. They did not do a national search. And so that's, you know, I mean, you can't, in SEC, you can't not do a national search for your coordinators. That's ridiculous, right? Uh, and so too much loyalty to people who have not uh, proven themselves as coaches, I, I would say is definitely a factor. Uh, the DC just has never proven that he can be a good coordinator. I, I think there's all kinds of issues. They play way too far back um, in coverage and, and the defensive backs haven't really gotten better. The, a lot of uh, poor play calling, like slow developing blitzes that don't have a chance to get home. Offensively, um, you know, offensively, I don't think the play calling has been that terrible. I just say they could be a little bit more creative. And I think uh, they probably need to do a better job of uh, finding ways to scheme Will Shepard open or getting the ball into the hands of the best playmakers. Jaden McGowan is another guy who's a 5'8 slot receiver who's, who runs a 4'3'5", so he's really fast. He's a good player, even though he's small. And I, I think in general, they take on offense like a take what the defense gives you type of mentality when maybe they should try to um, – be a little bit more aggressive and intentional about getting the ball to their best players. And then also the quarterback situation. I mean, these guys have been yanked back and forth and just none of it's, none of it's working. They're, they're, there's just no, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, like the results are what they are, right? The talent level has improved from three years ago, but the record isn't any better. And so that means coaching is issue. Absolutely. Now th that is obviously not good news if you are a Vanderbilt fan, but what is good news? It, it seems like there's been a, a deeper commitment made to Vandy athletics overall, but especially the the football program. I know that's been a hot topic over on West End for for several years now. Jordan Rogers has has spoken publicly about it uh, because he has quite the platform. Has that come to fruition where there is significantly more of a commitment? And one of the reasons I'm asking this is because you look at a guy like a, a Ray Davis that that transfers out. And I know Mike Wright, kind of a, a different situation, a different skill level, but transfers out and goes to Mississippi. You had a young man uh, transfer to Auburn. Sounds like Will Shepard may be the next guy to 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 potentially leave. Do you, has Vandy made a significant commitment to football like it appears? And how much will that help them keep the talented players that they do have over on West End? Sure. Yeah, I, I think um, no doubt, like, I mean, in the past, the, the commitment financially was really, really lacking. I think from the university standpoint, it, it's more or less where it needs to be in that the buildings are going up. I think once they're finished, they'll be quite nice. It just takes Vanderbilt a long time to get moving on anything. And some of that has to do with the complications of building in a big city. But uh, I, I think from that standpoint, they're OK. Um, NIL, they've been very slow to adjust to. And, um, you know, I mean, just with a smaller fan base, smaller number of big money boosters compared to like Tennessee, for instance, I think um, that's just inherently a bigger challenge for them. I think they've actually been OK in terms of retaining players. Really, the only player who they lost due to NIL was um, a cornerback named Jadis Richard, who went to Miami. And, you know, he hasn't really been that great for Miami this year anyway. Um, I would say that uh, they have not used NIL to actually try to attract talent through the portal, which I would argue is something that you absolutely have to do in the SDC. Uh, and there are some signs that they're going to do that more and have more resources in that area uh, moving forward. 
we'll find out. I mean, I think you got to kind of put up or shut up before anybody really believes this, I would argue. Um, but so I'd like they have generally been able to retain their players. The next step would be actually being able to get go into the portal and get, you know, quality, some quality starters or maybe fill out the roster with 10 guys who can actually play. Uh, and, and so in the NIL area, they've been they've been behind in that regard and they're playing catch up. I think some of that is if the facilities were already ready to go and up to standard, maybe they could have focused on NIL earlier. And so when you don't invest in the facilities for way too long, you know, you're always playing catch up and, and they really still are. Yeah, Tennessee baseball is is learning that uh, r- right now, and and you mentioned buildings taking forever to go up. Uh, Tony Vitello is is also dealing with that, and 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 now they're well underway, but uh, it it seems to be more of a construction uh, issue and just getting uh, machinery and and getting the paperwork signed and, and all that. It's just real <laughs> tedious and, and and takes forever. Uh, to your point, do, do want to ask you one more big picture question, uh, actually about Jerry Stackhouse, since we have you and sure. uh, it, yeah. it, it seems like it's a pivotal year for him and uh, uh, it, it, not the greatest of starts for, for the Vanderbilt basketball team so far, just uh, your assessment of, of where Jerry is at going into, what is this year five ish off the top yeah. of the head? Yeah. Uh, oh God, I should know this. Yeah. I think it's year five. Um, it, it's uh, the I'm, I'm the same to way. Run together. Yes, they all yeah. start to run together. Yeah, I, who doesn't love talking about Jerry Stackhouse? He's pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think they're they've been stuck in a little bit of neutral. I would say um, he. I think he's a really good X's and O's coach and all that. He's really sharp. Um, the recruiting like really hasn't been there, and a lot of that is not his fault. It's the same NIL stuff. I mean, in some ways, it's even more important for basketball because. You know, if you uh, they were able to shout out some money to keep their best player, Tyron Lawrence. But, you know, one player, if you even just have a little bit more money to go get someone good. I mean, one player can totally change your team. Um, I think, you know, yeah, they had the tough loss to start the season. And, and that's not you can't lose to Presbyterian at home. Uh, they do. They have three starters out injured right now who are coming back soon. So I, I to me, it just feels like another kind of NIT ish team which is certainly a big improvement compared to when he got there, but it is going to be interesting. Like, is that good enough for them in year five for most schools? The answer to that would be no. Um, you know, I think um, he did get an extension prior to last season. And since Vanderbilt, unfortunately is a private school, like it's not really possible to get the details on that in terms of what the buyout would be. So I'd say a long way to go in terms of figuring out exactly how good they're going to be this season, given the injuries. But um They've, they've, you know, they were on the constant or consistent kind of uh, growth trend, I would say, even if it was pretty gradual and maybe a little bit slow. And now they've leveled off a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, they got to I think they got to make the NCAA tournament. But, you know, that's easier said than done when you're in the SEC because of, you know, as you know, just how much the league has improved. If you think 10 years ago, you know, Tennessee wasn't wasn't what it is. And, and that's something that has really changed the league with, you know, how good of a job Rick Barnes has done. Yeah, yeah, and not just Tennessee, but Nate Oates at at Alabama, Bruce Pearl Auburn. at Auburn. Auburn used to be worthless every single year. Literally worthless. The the, the worst program in the SEC, and and that might be the the one of the best coaching jobs in SEC basketball history, uh, quite honestly. But uh, just from top to bottom, the SEC is so deep, and now you're going to add Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, as well yeah. it, it's become really fun uh, college basketball it, it's really all three 
Uh, I, I know you also dabble in college baseball as well because Vanderbilt sure. and Tim Corbin are so awesome. But to, to go from SEC football to SEC basketball to SEC baseball, it's it's really become year-round and, and entertaining and, and fun for those of us who uh, enjoy multiple sports and, and not just one sport or, or cover multiple sports and, and not just one sport. Uh, looking at this individual game again on, on Saturday, asked you about the quarterback situation for Vandy and uh, they're, where they're at coming off of a weird bye week uh, at, at the end of the season. Who else does Tennessee need to be aware of offensively other than Will Shepard? It, it seems like, and also it seems like maybe the offensive line has has created some issues throughout the course of the season as well. Yeah, I, I think Tennessee has a huge advantage at the point of attack, and, and I would you know, expect them to take full advantage of that. I, you know, of course the Vols have a lot of talent up front. Um, to me, uh, probably uh, the guys I would look for in terms of offensively on Vandy are actually a couple of Nashville guys uh, who some Vols fans or at least those certainly based in Nashville will be a little bit familiar with. Uh, that's two true freshmen, London Humphreys and junior Cheryl, who uh, are both wide receivers. And I mean, those are kind of the types of guys that, that Vandy, sort of lives lives and dies by and that these were three-star recruits who you know their entire goal is they brought in barton simmons from 24 7 and they're trying to out evaluate teams and they did on both those guys both of them are really good uh london humphreys is uh, he he kind of picked up football late he's a 6-3 uh outside receiver who was the fastest high schooler in the state of tennessee uh last year i think two years ago barry on brown from kentucky uh ran faster in the 100 meter uh, than he did, but uh, he, you know, is kind of still learning the sport of football. But when you're six three and you can really, really run, that's a good start. Uh, he has had a, a pretty good season, and then Cheryl plays more so in the slot, and they'll even hand the ball off to him a little bit. He went to Lipscomb Academy uh, and was arguably the best player on the team there last season. Um, I, it was kind of confusing to me why he didn't get a little more power five attention. Like I think with both these guys. Vandy benefited from other power fives kind of being asleep at the wheel. Like I, of course, Tennessee, you know, recruits at such a high level, but like Minnesota was at you know, the college showcase camp at Lipscomb Academy and they didn't offer him for Cheryl for some reason. I don't understand that. Uh, and so the lower level power fives not getting in on these guys kind of allowed Vandy to go get both of them. And they're both true freshmen, but they've got, they got speed. Um, they are kind of difficult to cover in that Humphreys is also six, three and, and can make some contested catches. And Cheryl is kind of like shifty and can move with the ball in his hands. So I'd look for those two guys, especially because since Vandy hasn't been very successful at getting the ball to its more established guys, Will Shepard and Jade McGowan, you know, that, that has meant that the freshmen are getting more targets. And then defensively, for Vanderbilt, I know earlier you, you touched on on some of the coaching issues. From a personnel standpoint, uh, who, who are the top players and and who are or what has caused some of the weaknesses for them? I know you mentioned the secondary earlier. Yeah, they're they're very young. I'll give them that. I mean, I think they've got some talent, and especially like up front and on the edge. You know, they've really been trying to rebuild the pass rush. Uh, when Derek Mason left, they just didn't have anything left on the edge. But uh, it's, you know, the, probably the development of those guys has been slower uh, than probably Vandy would hope, I'd say. So CJ Taylor, you know, who's Alante Taylor's cousin and he's from McMinnville, he would be the main guy to watch. Like I said, he's coming back from an injury. I'm not sure exactly how effective he'll be. He's a hybrid outside linebacker safety type of guy. Uh, Dericky Wright is uh, a safety who is actually a pretty good player. 
Um, he uh, he's like six four and a really big guy who can still run pretty well. I think he'll probably play in the NFL. He's had some injury issues this season. So like Vandy's safeties are pretty good. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth there, but they're two starters, right? And and uh, Jalen Mahoney are are decent enough players. Uh, corner corner is just a huge issue for them. They're playing uh, very young guys, and I. Yeah, I mean, the coaching just hasn't really like they just haven't gotten that much better, I would say. And, you know, I think the problem is when your your issues on defense are corner and edge rusher. Well, those things really interlock. And I would say make make the other positions problems worse, because if you're you know, if you're not getting a pass rush, then your corners who are struggling are just going to be put in even tougher position. So that's that's kind of to me also why this is a tough matchup for Vanderbilt is that. They don't have the same type of size in the middle of the defense that a Georgia or really any other SEC team has. Like they've been okay against the run because they've got some decent linebackers, but I just think Tennessee is going to gash them up the middle like last year. And then of course, when they, when they try to go deep, whether it's Nico or Joe Milton, there's just going to be a lot of open receivers downfield, I would think. Uh, so uh, Vandy has struggled typically against offenses of this type against tempo and we saw why last season. So I think Tennessee is, is definitely set up here matchup-wise to take advantage. Well, a Tennessee fan would tell you that Tennessee can't complete passes can yeah. consistently yeah, and, <laughs> and take advantage of that. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating matchup, I, I think. And I, I do think it ultimately boils down to how Tennessee shows up on Saturday. It's a sure. really, really banged up football team right now all across the board. Uh, the 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 depth that Tennessee already lacked going into the season because there is still an element of Josh Heupel trying to still build up the roster because it was just such a disaster under Jeremy Pruitt. That, that That's going to be tested even more because they are uh, so banged up. And I, I also do wonder uh, about where Tennessee's head is at going into this game. Uh, eight and four. Uh, it's been a while since you could say Tennessee had a, a disappointing season at eight and four. Uh, you had the Butch Jones season in 2016, I guess. That team should have been much better uh, under Dobbs. But outside of those two seasons, uh, there aren't many disappointing eight and four seasons around Tennessee. Right. So uh, not living up to expectations and coming off back to back, ugly, frustrating losses where where the noise outside of the facility has gotten a little bit loud. On top of being a banged up football team, I'm very interested in seeing how Tennessee shows up uh, and, and plays on Saturday. I, I think that's going to dictate uh, the the scoreboard. I, I still don't feel like Vandy will will be able to pull off the upset, but could it be closer in a tight game going into the fourth quarter if if Tennessee doesn't show up with the right approach? I, I think that is possible given the circumstances. Yeah, I think the the first quarter will be pretty big because if you're Vandy, I mean, you look at their their gaming in South Carolina. Like, I I think toward the end it just all fell apart, and they're coming out of that game. Uh, I think the locker room started to splinter a little bit in a way that it hadn't even you know earlier in this losing streak. So if Tennessee comes out and Jalen Wright uh, scores a 75 yard touchdown the first play of the game, like against Georgia, then then I think that Tennessee. I could run away with it really quickly there. Um, if Vanny wants to be in the game at all, uh, they they need to at least kind of contain or neutralize a little bit Tennessee's offense early, force a couple field goals. And I just think it, they're not going to come from behind in this game, in my opinion, is how I would put it. Yeah, I would be surprised as well. I, I think that first quarter, 
like you mentioned, will be very telling first half in general. Uh, and also yep. a senior day. And sometimes when when you see seniors in Tennessee's instance run for the run through the tee for the last time and they're battling those emotions, seeing the family on the field, teams can get off to a slow start. We've seen Tennessee teams get off to a slow start after going through senior day ceremonies in the past. So a, a lot of interesting storylines in, in that regard going into to this one that, that I, I think makes it a, a little more interesting game. Uh, for Tennessee and, and for Vanderbilt as well. This would obviously be a huge win for Clark Lee if he could pull off the upset. And uh, for Tennessee, the last two weeks have been frustrating. If if you want to avoid an, an awful offseason, yeah. do not lose to what should be a 2-10 and 10 <laughs> Vanderbilt team. Uh, and no disrespect to Vanderbilt, but we've seen what a loss to Vanderbilt has meant for Tennessee coaches uh, in the past. It, it hasn't sure. typically... This spreads like 27 points, right? I mean, right. you can't lose that. No, not not at all. Uh, also, how about Derek Mason? Going to be in the booth for for this one as well. And <laughs> yeah, Derek yeah. Derek's been terrific in the booth this year, in my opinion. And and I don't bring that up to say, oh, he's the former Vanderbilt coach. He's going to favor Vanderbilt or anything along those lines. I, I just think it's interesting because you typically don't see a a former head coach uh, that did not like Tennessee, rightfully so, when he was at Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt football coach should not like Tennessee when he's the head coach there. Uh, but now he's in a, a different position and, and calling a game. You typically don't see the the former head coach calling a rivalry game. Yeah, I've I've heard he's pretty pretty solid as a color analyst. I haven't actually gotten the chance to listen because, like you said, you know, frequently Vandy's playing at the same time or or whatever, and I haven't been able to catch any of his games. But that is an interesting supply. I saw that he's calling the game. I was like, that's that's a little weird, but hey, whatever. Yeah, he called uh, one of Tennessee's games early this year in September, like the Austin P or, or UTSA game for Tennessee. He, okay. he called one of yep. those. And uh, I, I, of course, Tennessee fans are hoping that he'll come down to the sideline or go into the next booth next to him and start calling defensive plays for, for Tennessee on Saturday. There's been a lot of, hey, Derek Mason's been good on TV this year, but I wouldn't mind seeing him on Tennessee's defensive staff <laughs> next year. So yeah, just another quirky I element to this football game. Yeah, you never know what can happen. I, I don't know. I don't know him personally at this point. I don't know how much he's looking to get into coaching, but I mean, he's he's been pretty good as a defensive coordinator. I don't even think he was that bad of a head coach, to be honest with you. No, I, I, I think he's a, a really solid head coach, and I, I thought circumstances at Vanderbilt had more to do with Vanderbilt than than Derek Mason, and uh, he, he was able to to have success there uh, as well. Uh, and I one of my former high school teammates that, that I played baseball with and, and one of my good, good friends, Kari Blazingame, played for, for Derek oh, Mason yeah. and a uh, huge Derek Mason fan and, and always had really nice things to say. And I know Kari and, and the rest of his teammates really loved playing for him. So uh, I, I thought the, the Vanderbilt, how it ended was more about Vanderbilt than maybe Derek Mason, but uh, he'll, he'll maybe get back into coaching one day and, and he'll, he'll be fine uh, when he does because he is a terrific defensive mind Robbie how can people follow you and your work uh, from the Vanderbilt perspective this weekend yeah probably just Vandy247.com is the easiest way I, I am eating off the Twitter a little bit uh hey uh, by the way I'm sure you guys have probably talked about this on your podcast but uh any listeners can get a great deal right now for the the Black Friday sale I think sometimes people who aren't subscribed to 24-7 don't realize that you get access to VIP information across the the network on any site so it's a it's a pretty sweet deal, and uh, I would recommend it. Absolutely, uh, that that is one of my favorite things uh, about twenty four seven is is that yep. you can go on any of the boards at any 
point in time. Uh, and it can serve multiple purposes. If if Texas A&M loses an awful football game or Auburn loses to New Mexico State, you can go watch oh, yeah, go the, the fire it. and see the <laughs> meltdown. You can go if if your team's battling another team for a recruit, you can go over to, to the other side and, and see if they have information. So it, it certainly uh, serves many, many purposes. Robbie, uh, we greatly appreciate your time and hope you you had a happy Thanksgiving at this point. We are recording this pre-Thanksgiving, so uh, by the time this comes out, we we, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and, and s- travel safe these next couple of days. Thanks. I appreciate you. Absolutely. He's Robbie Weinstein of Vandy247, and I'm Ben McKee. This will do it for another Go Vols 24-7 podcast. There's that button, and now I can say Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, nobody, and I mean nobody covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.